0: Thank you for uh, coming back to the link. I want to make an apology for the technical issues that caused us to go off air about 15 minutes ago. We are going to finish the program, so uh, we created a a brand new link, um, and you can listen to the continuous of Indoctrination Nation Season 4, Episode 25, Targeting Children right here, right now. Uh, With that being said, I'm going to go ahead and pass the mic back to Brother Yusuf. I believe that when we went off air, you was talking about the anniversary uh, that just occurred.
1: Yes. So on yesterday, September 9th, 1971, incarcerated men took control of the Attica Correctional Facility in New York, demanding the recognition of their humanity. 1,281 of the approximately 2,200 men Incarcerated in the Attica Correctional Facility Rioted and took control of the prison taking 42 staff hostage By order of Governor Nelson Rockefeller After consultation with President Richard M. Nixon Armed correctional officers and state and local police Were sent in to regain control of the prison By the time they stopped firing At least 39 people were dead Correctional officers civilian employees, and 29 of those incarcerated, with nearly all killed by law enforcement gunfire. It became one of the most well-known prison uprisings in U.S. history.
0: Um, Also on
1: this day, oh, yeah, we can talk about that for a second, because uh, I was just going to refer everyone to uh, Season 2, Episode 37, where we did a full breakdown. About the Attica uprising
0: i I just wanted to point out that that was effectively the birth of what we now know as black August right for
1: sure, so definitely check that out uh season two episode thirty seven that was called attica shut 'em down twenty twenty one and nine eleven also on this day in nineteen sixty three many white students withdrew from Tuskegee High School in Alabama to avoid attending with black students. All 275 white students previously enrolled withdrew in one week. To overcome racial inequality, we must confront our history. In 1895, the South Carolina Constitution, Constitutional Convention convened. And Robert Smalls gave a great quote. He said, since Reconstruction uh, times, 53,000 Negroes have been killed in the South, and not more than three white men have been convicted and hung for those crimes.
0: And he's talking about just in the past 20 years, 53,000. Right. Um, Right. That speech he offered was amazing. We have it available for people to read in its entirety. But the case was that immediately after Reconstruction, they started using the Jim Crow laws, black codes, and pig laws in order to reincarcerate the Negro. Um, and he was speaking about how, how this was, uh, they were literally killing people, 53,000, but they weren't touching any white people. Uh, 53,000 Negroes were killed in the South and no more than three white men. Have been convicted and hung for those crimes. Um, mm. The speech was, yeah, powerful. And on today's date, this happened back in 1895. You know, we we study history a lot because history repeats. What did um, what did he, Thomas Thomas what's his name say? Um, history may not repeat, but it sure does rhyme. <laughs> <laughs> you know, right.
2: uh, and
0: as I as I say. Um, history is a synonym. It's the same crap smelled differently. So if you want to know what the future like, looks like, look at the history. Uh, it tends to repeat. And we see that now uh, in this story that we're about to tell here today about our kids, where, you know, they're being shot down in the street. How many thousands have died in the past 20 years? Is it 53,000 or more? Um, so, yeah, let's get into it. All right. don't you know, want to take thing- a
1: deep breath first.
0: One of the things that I noticed is the cost of incarceration for children has always been a gold mine, but now it has gone to unimaginable levels. We know that to incarcerate a child in a place like Rikers Island is $556,000 a year. I was looking at the data from back in 2014 when I broke down what it costs to incarcerate a child in each state. And New -hmm. Jersey, for example, at that time in 2014 was $196,133,000. That's a huge number to begin with, $196,000. But today it's over $600,000 a year to incarcerate a single teenager. So since 2014, the cost of incarceration for teenagers in New Jersey has tripled. And I think it would be safe to say that the entire list from 2014 has likely tripled for each child. And where is that money going? Because, you know, when you talk about that level of uh, generated revenue, $600,000 plus per year for each child in one state, it becomes an incentive and not a cost. It's a reason to go out and get more and more children to do it. As a matter of fact, I do have another number that we can compare. New York in 2014 was $350,000. Now it's $556,000 a year. So it's effectively doubled in New York. Where is this money going? Just a couple of days ago, in Ohio, in a juvenile detention facility, the children rioted, these teenagers. They took over the facility for about 12 hours until a group of about a couple dozen armed guards came in with pepper spray and took back control of the place, but they trashed the place. They tore it up stuff like that. And they, and I said, okay, why is this happening? And so the explanation that they offered was that they lack uh, enough personnel to be able to monitor the children. And I'm thinking to myself, wait, hold on a minute back in 2014, It was $185,000 a year per child in Ohio to incarcerate them. 185000 That was 2014. So following the pattern that we have seen, let's just double it. Don't triple it. Double it. So it's probably closer to $400,000 a year to incarcerate a child in Ohio. How is it possible you don't have enough money to buy staff <laughs> right. to, to be able to pay staff? How is that even possible? You could put those same children in a five-star hotel With two full-time guards To guard them all the time And it would be less money Than what you're investing right now In fact
1: You you know uh, I'm looking at a map From Justice Policy Institute And they Theirs is 2023 And this map compares How much it costs to incarcerate Versus The in-state tuition cost And I'm sitting here looking at New Hampshire. Five hundred and forty thousand dollars to incarcerate one youth. The tuition cost is sixteen thousand nine hundred dollars. Vermont five hundred twenty eight thousand versus seventeen thousand. New York eight hundred ninety two thousand versus eighty four hundred. And the numbers are just staggering like that all across the country, all across the country. And when you start talking about war, what about uh, per 100,000? The ACLU put out a map where you can see how many youth per 100,000 are incarcerated. And I was surprised to find who the top five were. Uh, Number one is South Dakota, 493 per 100,000. Wyoming, 430. Nebraska, 337. Oregon, 279. Kansas, 254. The one with the lowest amount was Vermont, 58 per 100,000. And that's still a ton of people. You know, you're thinking 58 per 100,000, that's a lot. And you can also see on these maps, we'll have tons of information up on our Abolition Today page. There will be a ton of information where you can even see the breakdown based on the racial disparities. You can see the breakdowns on where the locations are, the cost per state, all of these things. And one last thing I want to get into before I pass it back to you, Max, is this article. Uh, if I can find it real quick, where I think it was also the ACLU. It talked about America's, yeah, it's the same one, America's addiction to juvenile incarceration. Like, America's addicted to it. <laughs> there's so much so. Like, we have a lot to cover, and I don't want to jump ahead of the gun with some of the articles, but these numbers are just staggering. You know, where uh, there's an article put out where it mentions, That uh, 33 U.S. states and jurisdictions spend at least $100,000 a year incarcerating a young person. And the report finds that these long-term consequences of incarcerating young people to cost taxpayers $8 billion to $21 billion each year.
0: Max? $21 billion a year. You know, as I said earlier, this creates... An incentive to incarcerate children. The more children you get, the more money you're going to make. And if you put them in things like solitary confinement, it costs even more uh, to incarcerate them. We've seen cases across this country like in Philadelphia where two judges uh, ended up incarcerating nearly 5,000 children under false pretenses because they were getting kickbacks from a for-profit private prison uh, that was there. They had shut down the juvenile detention facility. The judges did that were run by the state, and then they opened up the for-profit private prison. And these judges were just feeding them children, often without attorneys or without their parents present, and uh, for the most ridiculous things like throwing steak at your stepfather, or writing on your desk in school, or uh, putting up a Facebook post about your. They were putting children in prisons for this, and these judges were getting as much as $3 million in kickbacks annually to do it. They ended up being uh, sentenced and convicted and got as much as 40 years each uh, in prison, and they were forced to uh, pay back $200 million to victims. The same thing was happening and is happening in Tennessee, where they have this county out there that has a staggering history of detaining children. And it's one particular prosecutor out there who has uh, effectively been sending uh, primarily over 95% black children to these facilities and generating this revenue off of it uh, that they so depend on. As a matter of fact, there is no limit. And you was telling me this earlier that under your search there's 25 states that has no uh, limit to how young you can arrest somebody. Is that what you were saying right. earlier? You said twenty-five states. That un- un-
1: unfortunately, that's
0: right. Theoretically, you could arrest a, a, a newborn if they kick you in the chin You can call it battery, and they're they're doing things that are not far from that. I put together a production called Targeting Children, and it includes a poem by Langston Hughes read by Danny Glover. I think we should go ahead and play that because people can hear with their own ears what is happening Mm -hmm. to these children and how young they are being hunted as personal property of the state to be able to be nothing more than a cog in the machine generating revenue for those wealthy elites. So let's go into that. This is Targeting Children with Assorted News Clips followed by Langston Hughes' Kids Who Die read by Danny Glover. You're listening to Abolition Today, abolitiontoday.org. Pardon us for our hiccup. We'll be right back after this. Abolition. Today. Welcome back,
3: 812. This morning in Orlando, grandmother is demanding answers after her six-year-old granddaughter was arrested. Kaya Roll is like most little girls her age. She loves pink. She has a cheery outlook on life. But her grandmother says that all changed on Thursday after she got a call from a school resource officer saying Kaya had been arrested.
4: They say, what do you mean she was arrested? They say, there was an incident and she kicked somebody and she's being charged and she's on her way. She's arrested and she has
5: a charge. She's charged with battery.
4: The
3: first grader was handcuffed, fingerprinted, even had a mug shot taken. In fact, an eight-year-old at the same school was also arrested that day.
6: We're back with shocking newly released body camera video showing a disturbing encounter between Maryland police and a five-year-old boy they put in handcuffs. Kathy Park reports.
7: Don't make me take you over there. No record of that Okay.
8: Tonight growing outrage in Maryland over this newly released body camera footage. Cut it out. Two Montgomery County police officers responded to a call to bring back a five-year-old student who left school. After he allegedly broke a computer. Uh,
7: Get in. They now. I'm not asking. Violent. Get in the car. I don't want to hear it.
8: After the officers bring him back, the situation quickly escalated. Police blurred the identity of the child. Meanwhile, the yelling and berating is all caught on camera. I mean, how do you learn that type of behavior at five?
3: Uh, that's why people need to beat their kids. Sit
9: down.
3: <laughs>
8: WHEN THE BOY DOESN'T STOP CRYING, ONE OFFICER SCREAMS JUST INCHES FROM HIS FACE. Ah!
9: Ah!
8: POLICE RELEASED A NEAR HOUR-LONG VIDEO FRIDAY, NEAR THE END OF THE FOOTAGE, WITH HIS MOM IN THE SAME ROOM. AN OFFICER PLACES HANDCUFFS ON THE BOY'S wrist. THESE ARE HANDCUFFS. YOU KNOW you WHAT THEY'RE go FOR? Roberto West? HUH? HUH?
7: YOU KNOW WHAT THESE ARE FOR? THESE ARE FOR PEOPLE THAT DON'T WANT TO LISTEN AND DON'T KNOW HOW TO ACT.
8: THE INCIDENT TOOK PLACE JANUARY OF LAST YEAR. After an internal investigation, Montgomery County Police said both officers remain on the job.
6: Two judges who sent children to for-profit jails in exchange for money set to pay more than $200 million to the victims of their crimes. A district judge in Pennsylvania said the money will go to nearly 300 victims and their families. The two former judges convicted in what prosecutors called a kids for cash scheme. The prosecutors said the judges shut down a county-run juvenile detention center in Pennsylvania. Then, they accepted nearly $3 million in kickbacks from a builder and co-owner of two for-profit facilities. One of the judges sent kids as young as eight to the detention centers, many of them first-time offenders, convicted of minor crimes. The Pennsylvania Supreme Court ended up throwing out about 4,000 juvenile convictions after investigators uncovered the scheme. The district judge on Tuesday wrote that both men abandoned their oaths. He said, their cruel and despicable actions victimized a vulnerable population of young people, many of whom were suffering from emotional issues and mental health concerns.
8: Breaking news out of Delaware County, three police officers have now been charged in connection with the shooting death of eight-year-old Santability following a football game back in August. It is Tuesday afternoon, I'm Sarah Bloomquist.
6: And I'm Brian Taft. The big story on Action News today is those charged announced by the Delaware County DA. The three Sharon Hill officers East now faced 12 criminal counts of manslaughter and reckless endangerment.
8: Action News reporter Dan Cuellar is live in media with details on the charges, which come after a vocal public outcry. Dan?
6: That's right, uh, Sarah and Brian. DA Jack Solzheimer announced that a grand jury investigation found clear and convincing evidence that the bullets fired that were killed, eight-year-old Fantability and wounded, three others were recklessly fired by three Sharon Hill officers.
8: So this next story is something everyone should hear about something that should never take place. According to a scathing ProPublica report, a Tennessee county was profiting off the jailing of black children as young as seven years old for a crime that doesn't actually exist. And they've been doing it for more than a decade. Rutherford County used what they call a filter system to give jailers discretion to hold children who are arrested and sent to the juvenile detention center. It led to a 2016 incident where 11 black children we're arrested for witnessing, not participating, but witnessing a fight between other children, just seeing it happen, which by the way, is not a crime.
4: This is for the kids who die, black and white. For kids will die certainly. The old and the rich will live on a while, as always eating blood and gold, letting kids die. Kids will die in the swamps of Mississippi, organizing sharecroppers. Kids will die in the streets of Chicago, organizing workers. Kids will die in the orange groves of California, telling others to get together. Whites and Filipinos, Negroes, and Mexicans, all kinds of kids will die who don't believe in lies and bribes and contentment and a lousy peace. Of course, the wise and the learned who pen editorials in the papers will live on weaving words to smother the kids who die and the sleazy courts, and the bribe-reaching police, and the blood-loving generals, and the money-loving preachers will all raise their hands against the kids who die, beating them with laws and clubs and bayonets and bullets to frighten the people. For the kids who die are like iron in the blood of the people. Listen, kids who die, maybe now there will be no monument for you, except in our hearts. But the day will come, you are sure yourself that it is coming, when the marching feet of the masses will raise for you a living monument of love and joy and laughter. And black hands and white hands clasped as one. And a song that reaches the sky. The song of the life triumphant through the kids who die.
0: Abolition.
1: Abolition. 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 You just heard targeting children. Assorted news clips, and that was followed by Langston Hughes's poem "Kids Who Die," read by Danny Glover. Welcome back to Abolition Today, abolitiontoday.org. That poem was so tough, and it was just this one part there that just made so much sense, where he was talking about the wise and the learned. Who pen editorials in the papers And the gentleman mm. with doctor In front of their names White and black Who make surveys and write books Will live on weaving words To smother the kids who die We see it's, that happening now Yes yeah, Blaming, victim blaming Blame um, kids for their own deaths Or what's happening remember- to them
0: Remember what that cop said? You know what these handcuffs are for? These are for people that don't know how to listen and don't know how to act. You know, as a torturer, because that's torture, Mm -hmm. in a five-year-old's mind, you will never forget that. The handcuffs are for people who don't know how to listen and don't know how to act. And if you don't act right, if you don't listen to these men with the badges and the authorities, you're going to go to handcuffs. And from handcuffs, they even put six-year-olds through a whole booking process, fingerprinting it. Uh, in some cases, they kept the children in juvenile detention facilities, five, six, seven, eight years old. These are babies. You could hear right. that little boy crying like a baby because he is right. a baby. And you charge a six-year-old, a six-year-old child, first grader, with assault, Because they kick somebody, uh, probably the teacher, if not the school resource officer. But because they kick somebody, a six-year-old, would you in fear of your life? Is that what happened? Do you feel like they offended you by kicking you? So, as I said earlier, in 25 states, theoretically, if a toddler kicks a policeman or, or a baby, they get charged with a felony, and they're doing that. They're charging these children with felonies. Missouri, back in 2017. Uh, put out a statute That says that children In schoolyard fights will now be charged With felonies So they just want to criminalize these babies And the Results of that is pretty clear You either end up As a system A person, a part of the system The rest of your life or You become institutionalized Or you end up in uh, As one of the people buried in the ground It's hard for them To get around this You
1: You know There's an article that the AP put out It's called Tiny Wrists and Cups How police use force Against children And they did a study You know there are 18,000 Police agencies in the U.S. But they did did a study Of 25 Departments in 17 states To show that children Are often subject to physical force and it says within the article, kids are still an afterthought in reforms championed by lawmakers and pushed by police departments. But in case after case, the investigation found children as young as six have been treated harshly, even brutally, by officers of the law. They've been handcuffed, felled by stun guns, taken down and pinned to the ground by officers for longer than they were far larger than they were. Departments nationwide have few or no guardrails to prevent such incidents. The data on approximately 3,000 instances of police use of force against children under 16 over the past 11 years. And I'm going to just pull up the chart real quick just to name some of the things. This is is in 25 departments. Bodily force, 1,373. Body restraints, 270. Firearms used or drawn, 236. Handcuffed or hobbled, 206. Stun guns used or drawn, 182. Police canines, 112. And impact weapons, 14. So... The thing that really jumps out is like, there's no rules of telling them how to even deal with children. If they can, you know, they treat them the same way that they would treat any other person.
0: It's not only the criminalization of them, the commodification of them by Mm -hmm. making these incentives to go out and incarcerate children. But there's also the indoctrination aspect where Like, the textbooks that they use to teach these kids. What's happening in Florida is a great example, but it's not new. In Texas, they've been doing stuff like that for over a decade. I want to read just a little bit about an article from an article out of Harvard. And Mm -hmm. the title is, Harvard Historian Examines How Textbooks Taught White Supremacy. Now, these are middle school textbooks, he said. Imagine my shock when I was confronted by a collection of about 3000 te- textbooks. I started reviewing them and I came across 1832 books, History of the or one 1832 book, History of the United States by Noah Webster, the gentleman who's responsible for our dictionary. I was astonished by what I was reading, so I just kept reading some more. In Webster's book, there was next to nothing about the institution of slavery Despite the fact that it was a central American institution There were no African Americans ever mentioned When Webster wrote about Africans It was extremely derogatory Which was shocking Because those comments were in a textbook When I realized from his book And from the subsequent ones And how they defined American As white and only as white Anything that mm. was less than Anglo-Saxon was not a true merit American the further along I got in this process, the more intensely the sentiment came out. I realized that I was looking at, there's a, no other word for it, white supremacy. I came across one textbook that declared on its first page, this is a white man's history. At that point, you had to be a dunce not to see what these books were teaching. Yusuf? <laughs> oh.
1: I wasn't prepared
0: for that one, Max. Webster's wow. Dictionary. Old man <laughs> yes. Webster was a straight-up racist.
1: Wow. I mean, not that I'm surprised that he was a racist, but it's just like the audacity to be that out, you know, outright with it.
0: And a lot of the underfunded schools that still have these very old textbooks are using those textbooks. And you know where they're found at. So you're reading white supremacy in black and brown schools. And this is shaping right. the young minds who are coming up. And why you see so many of them turn into people like Tim Scott. Mm. There's another one. Yeah. Wow. Back in 2018, where they were saying that uh, on April 18th, the class of, eight, uh, of eighth graders, the great hearts mounted vista north charter school in san antonio texas received a homework assignment that would spark a nationwide controversy a worksheet titled the life of slaves a balanced view asked students to list the negative and positive aspects of slavery now you imagine this is this is indoctrination on the highest level because you're literally forcing them to agree with you that there are positive aspects of slavery and then forcing them to, to try to manifest something in their mind. That would be a positive aspect of slavery. This was the precursor of what Purdue University is doing in Florida. You said.
1: And it's crazy because. Yeah, it ties right in where they're trying to teach slavery as being black immigration or beneficial. I was listening to something the other day, uh, where it was talking about how uh, uh, slavery was the first time that anyone from Africa was ever civilized. You know, they were saying all kinds of craziness. I think it's in one of the uh, audio clips that you uh, posted in our, like our note page, something that I was listening to, and it just, it was just crazy how they did this. But, I'm understanding at the same time. In order to create a narrative, you have to put out certain information, you know, because, like, when we get back to the topic of talking about how, like, the children are just being hunted, and I did a little dig on that to see, you know, where did that start, and you go back to Kennedy you know, John F. Kennedy and Lyndon Baines Johnson, they both enacted laws. Uh, one was called, in 1961, Kennedy signed the Juvenile Delinquency Act. And in 65, Lyndon Baines Johnson signed the Law Enforcement Assistance Act. Acts led to children and teens having more formalized contact with police officers. That led to more juveniles entering the criminal justice system. So it basically opened the door for the federal government to be able to give funds to states and local communities for law enforcement to pay for more police officers, to pay for hardware for these officers, and to pay for prison. But there was a lot of pushback from that. So uh, Kennedy had his brother, who was at the time the attorney general, he gave, Uh, what will be almost the equivalent of, so you remember when Nixon gave his, uh, the public enemy number one is drug abuse. He gave that speech in 1971. Well, this is what Robert Kennedy did in 1963. He basically sells juvenile delinquency as public enemy number one, if not addressed. And he gave this to the Advertising Council. This is a speech he gave to the Advertising Council. And he basically created the, the mold for what a juvenile delinquent was. This was the picture that he wanted to put out, you know, sort of like how uh, Reagan gave his welfare queen, you know, when he gave that speech back in the early 80s. So he wanted to shape the mind that he was using the media to do it. So the first thing he said was six out of every 100 California young people aged 10 to 17 are arrested each year. He said 61% of the delinquents live in homes which rent for less than $80 a month. I guess that was very cheap back then. 50% have moved to new homes five times since their birth. 62% have parents who are either not married, separated, divorced, or one parent is dead. 23% have no father in the home. 73% have records of persistent school misbehavior. 18% 18% have a drinking problem. 26% have had psychiatric or psychological care. 20% have fathers with police records. 23% have brothers and sisters with police records. 25% have lived in foster homes. This was this was the mold that he was selling to them, and this is where they started pitching this image of uh, this juvenile delinquent who had to be, as Hillary Clinton would say, brought
0: to heal, max right that's where the narratives were coming from that clinton's adopted about our children you know it's like particularly with the indoctrination it's like the kids are being kidnapped by a psychologist whose specialty is stockholm syndrome and so they are forcing them through these mental gymnastics uh, to worship and idolize their kidnappers. Uh, an example hmm. out of that book that I was talking about earlier is called Prentice Hall Classics, A History of the United States. Now, now, mind you, this is something that school children were reading. There's a section in it that says, "But the peculiar institution, as Southerners came to call it. See, they couldn't even say slavery. They got to go the peculiar institution to, uh, to, to cause it to have." some kind of merit, like it's some legitimate thing, so they're legitimizing it with peculiar institution. Like all human institutions, should not be oversimplified. While there were cruel masters who maimed or even killed their slaves, though killing and maiming were against the law in every state, that's a lie because we all know about the Casual Killing Act. Uh, There were Mm -hmm. also kind and generous owners. (laughs) They always want to portray... And slavers as kind and generous The institution Was as complex as the people involved They say Though most slaves were whipped at some point in their lives A few never felt the lash Nor did all slaves work in the fields Some were house servants Or skilled artisans Many may not have even been Terribly unhappy With their lot For they knew no other This is a school kids book That the children are learning Oh, my God. You know, uh, a representative for Pearson uh, also said the workshe- worksheet was in no way associated with the company, but the worksheet's request for a balanced view of slavery appears entirely in keeping with the textbook's revisionist history. The textbook has been used every year since 2008 by eighth graders attending the Hearts Charter School in Texas. Every year, this is what they're learning from. They weren't unhappy because they didn't know what it was like to be unhappy. That's not really being unhappy. They're happy with it. Some of them never got whipped. You know, most of them did. But because some, because a few Negroes didn't get whipped, that means you're all capable of not getting whipped. (laughs) You know, just to put a spin on it with what they tell us now about success, right? Right. And to blatantly say that killing and maiming were against the law in every state. Oh, my God. Did you not hear Robert Smalls a few minutes ago? And that was after slavery, after Reconstruction. Fifty-three thousand right. people have been killed. Fifty-three thousand Negroes have been killed. Imagine before Reconstruction. It's shameful, and this is what our children are facing: mental attacks, physical attacks, insecurity at every level, being forced to be indoctrinated or not be able to survive it. It's it's amazing. You, <laughs>
1: you know, I came across something similar for Virginia. Textbooks written for 4th, 7th, and 11th graders taught a generation of Virginians. Uh, how the Negroes Lived Under Slavery was the name of the book, and it included sentences that said, a feeling of strong affection existed between masters of the slaves in a majority of Virginia homes. The masters knew the best way to control their slaves was to win their confidence and affection. Enslaved people went visiting at night and sometimes owned guns and other weapons. (laughs) It cannot be denied that some slaves were treated badly, but most were treated with kindness. And then they say it has color illustrations in the book, which featured Masters and slaves all dressed smartly, uh-huh. shaking hands, <laughs> amiably. Yeah, this wow. is what was going on. And I guess that kind of leads into uh the Max Mix that you created.
0: Yeah, in, in a moment, I just wanted to do some more comment on that. You know, um, it um it's just mind-blowing to me how – our children can be under this level of mental and physical attack and in such
2: yeah. unsafe
0: conditions where they got to worry about white supremacists running into school and shooting them up that we don't prioritize it more. See, we don't realize, it seems like when I say we, I use that loosely, uh, but we don't realize <laughs> our children are under attack at this level and our children are the future. The children are – if you want to affect the the future, you start where? With the babies. That's how you change the future, right? Now, the opposition knows this, and we act like it don't exist. We always act like something don't exist. They would never do that. And instead, what we're hearing is this happy slave, kind enslaver narrative, which is being put out there even today by Governor DeSantis and others even Trump that at some point black people were far better off by being slaves and that the enslavers who raped them, murdered them, bred them, killed them, mutilated them, all these different things the enslavers some of those were kind so that justifies the whole thing because they some of them were kind and you can be a good slave catcher. You can be a good enslaver. You can hug your children, love your babies, Donate to causes, go to church on Sunday, and still own people, and it's perfectly fine. So, you know, Thomas Jefferson, George Washington, this is how they, their acts of crimes against humanity are legitimized, because they were good people. They were founding fathers. They did all these great things. I don't give a damn if you cured cancer tomorrow, if you were a rapist or a murderer or a slaver. You're still a slaver, a murderer, and a rapist. Right. So, no wonder we want to get the hell out of Dodge. and still want to get the hell out of Dodge. Uh, unfortunately, that doesn't, doesn't seem to be any safe place to go. Nonetheless, a lot of us feel like it's time to get the hell out of here. And with that being said, let's go ahead and get into that track you just mentioned. It's a max mix called um, Runaway Slave. And it starts with clips from... Uh, My runaway slave, the group Runaway Slave called Drape Delude Lude. Uh, Drape Then it's going to have uh, some words from MSNBC's Alex Wagner, and it's going to conclude again with Runaway Slave doing Drape to What's Drape Tomania? Well, you're about to find out. You're listening to mm-hmm. Abolition Today, abolitiontoday.org, with Max Parkus and Yusuf Hassan, and we'll be right back after this Drape to
10: Abolition. Today. Peace to those who want to see. Hold on. This is going to be a rough ride. Put on your thinking cap. Travitomania, or the disease causing Negroes to run away. The term derives from the Greek, it repeats, a runaway slave, plus mania, madness, frenzy. It is unknown to our medical authorities, although its diagnostic symptom The absconding from service is well known to our planters and overseers and part of the edifice of scientific racism. According to my experience, is as much a disease of the mind as any other species of mental alienation. Is a disease peculiar to Negroes. They are very easily governed more so than any other people in the world to prevent and cure them from running away. Humanity and their own good require that they should be punished until they fall into that submissive state which it was intended for them to occupy.
3: It may not be familiar to you, but this is John Brown. John Brown was enslaved in the mid-1800s and subjected to excruciating experiments by a Georgia doctor named Thomas Hamilton. Hamilton believed there were physiological differences between black and white people, and he used Brown's body to prove it. After he escaped slavery, Brown described what happened to him in an autobiography. Dr. Hamilton set to work to ascertain how deep my black skin went. This he did by applying blisters to my hands, legs, and feet, which bear the scars to this day. That happened, Because Dr. Hamilton, a slave owner, was trying to scientifically bolster the prevailing ideology that black people were mentally and physically inferior to white people and therefore benefited from enslavement. That thinking was so pervasive at the time it spawned propaganda like this print from slavery apologists to push a narrative that enslaved blacks in the U.S. were better off than white factory workers in Britain. And it provided material for slaveholders like South Carolina Senator John Calhoun, who in an 1837 speech argued that slavery was a boon to black people. Never before has the black race of Central Africa from the dawn of history to the present day attained a condition so civilized and so improved, not only physically, but morally and intellectually. This kind of thinking gave rise to junk science like drapedomania, which translates to runaway madness. It was a clinical term of the 1850s based on the belief that slavery so vastly improved the lives of the enslaved, they would, be have, to be, they would have to be mentally ill to run away. The term drapedomania was not removed from medical textbooks until after 1914 human experiments and racist propaganda and fake science were used to prove something that we all know now is patently false. Black people did not benefit from slavery, quite obviously. But this year, in Florida, the echoes of those falsehoods can be heard once again. Yesterday, the Florida Board of Education approved new standards for black history instruction that require lessons for middle schoolers to include, quote, how slaves develop skills which, in some instances, could be applied for their personal benefit. The old racist trope from the 1850s that slavery benefited the enslaved seems to have been resurrected in Florida, and middle schoolers in that state may be required to learn it. As part of Florida Governor Ron DeSantis' efforts to whitewash black history, high schoolers in the state's public school system will now be taught that race massacres like the racial terror in Ocoee in 1920, the largest incident of voting day violence in American history, that those massacres included acts of violence perpetrated against and by African-Americans. In reality, it was a white mob that killed 60 people in Ocoee after a black man tried to vote. But those guidelines are part of a new set of standards the Florida Board of Education approved yesterday downplaying America's history of anti-black violence and as part of their campaign to make America Florida state officials want to export those standards nationally
10: nationally they have only to be kept in max state and treated like children a runaway slave Free Negroes, or those who are not governed at all, are the most afflicted and the latest from the slave. The disease is the natural offspring of Negro liberty. A runaway slave, they slight their work, cut up cake. They raise disturbances with their overseers and fellow servants seem to be insensible to pain when subjected to punishment. Break the
9: if it's my disease, I gotta flee from captivity. Controlling all the elves who want to slay to come upon me. me. Standing on the mountain by the throne, it's, it's where, where we ought to be. be. Take it underground, run away with the family. Fighting for our freedom, all we got was liberty. Shout it up to God, action heal to deliver me. Running through the south from the west of Pennsylvania. I ain't even mad if I ain't in here. This is Cape Canaveral. Caitlin the This is Capemania.
7: On my job since a newborn and my dark skin is my uniform. I don't know what I'ma see first, my people free or a unicorn. We can talk about it or do something. I back it up while you front. And I can't stand seeing a black man on some white shit like cool running. Rindomania. Rindomania. I feel cool running, broken chain, no lash bag. Back. Get backlash cause I want more than some fried chicken and a Cadillac. I need all mine. You can hold the mule, too damn late to go saddle back. But hell no, all I get is a sidewalk full of candle wax. Hello, remember me? I'm I'm Michael Brown, by any means I'm Malcolm X, I'm strapped up, bro, try me now Didn't like me then, you don't like me now, you was lying in and you lying now And no way that I'ma lie down, I was fighting in and I'm fighting now I'm fired up, you get fired on, cause I'm on fire, to fire round You just learned you could get burned, what happened, bro, you quiet now I guess we have to show these fuckers ain't no taming us You no longer need a noose to hang with us This is from Mania
9: Break the mania. Break the mania. Break the mania.
5: Break the mania. Break mania. First of all, yeah, yeah,
7: we was brought here to serve, so get us out your feelings. It's hot in these fields and massa out here killing. I'm done today, rather run away with the gun and waste. Anyone step in my way, I'm putting gun in face. We better run in haste. They just put Trump in place If you ain't part of that other upper race, nothing safe. You'd rather run in place. I'ma kneel down in here. Can't be your house nor a field, nigga. I'm outta here. Hello? Hello Newsflash, who's that? I'm Malcolm X, I'm Huey P and I'm Fred Hampton, so step aside or I'm cracking X. They rockin' best, but I'm head I'm quick scopin', I'm bedrockin', your head nodding from beats bustin', lyric dumping and gun poppin'. I can't stop for no water break They hard to shake and my feet hurtin' them house. Barking them torches lit So I'm forced to dip and keep swerving I'm arming up Cause you arming up Can't wait to bust And then blaming up So if I'm shooting back Don't call me crazy
9: Cause this is Kepinania Kepinania Kepinania
11: Kepinania No Negro leaders Have fought
4: for civil rights they have begged for civil rights. They have begged the white man for civil rights. They have begged the white man for freedom. Every time, anytime you beg another man to set you free, you will never be free. Freedom is something that you have to do for yourself. And until the American Negro lets the white man know that we are really, really ready and willing to pay the price that is necessary for freedom, our people will always be walking around here second-class citizens or what you call 20th-century slaves. What price are you talking about? Ooh. The price of freedom is death.
10: Drapatomania, hopefully one day it will become contagious among us. Abolition. Abolition.
0: Abolition. Abolition. Abolition.
1: Well, that, ladies and gentlemen, was a Max Mix, Drapatomaniax. That was featuring Runaway Slave with the Drapatelude MSNBC Alex Wagner, Runaway Slave, Tomania. Welcome back to Abolition Today, abolitiontoday.org. And if the topic wasn't so deep, Max, I would have said, man, that was dope, you know? But it was just (laughs) such a – yeah, it was just such a deep, deep topic, breaking it down. And, you know, I'm just thinking – so there's this – you and I were discussing this jail down in Louisiana, uh, Angola. We talk about Angola all the time.
0: Yeah, you know, hey, I, former... I just wanted to say real quick that both mm-hmm. of those music tracks came off the album Drapedomania by Runaway Slave. Uh, tolude was the beginning, and then Media is the lead track. So they're two separate tracks. Yes.
1: Oh okay, I thought it was all part of the same track. That was, <laughs> yeah. I want to say it was dope, but I can't. You know, you know. Uh, and just thinking of this article, you know, where you had the youth that were housed at a at a youth facility, and then because of drapetomania, several of them began escaping. So they decided it was a good idea to start housing them at the former death row at Angola prison. And while they were there, let's, let's talk about some of the abuses that they were subjected to, you know, children we're talking about. So they were giving, they were of course handcuffed, pepper sprayed, denied family visits, uh, there was another article talking about the rancid food they were given. They were uh given uh not even clean water. It was it was it was dirty water that they were given. So many uh atrocities that happened to these children. You know, and the federal judges recently ruled, in fact I believe it was just the other day, that they have a week to shut this down. And I just have one question for Louisiana. You know, my question is, what are you doing with the $155,000 a year you're getting for each one of those children that you have to put them in these conditions? That's my question, Max.
0: Um, Yeah, I I did want to discuss some of the stuff that we heard on the track. Uh, If I could just back up a little bit, and then I'll try to get to your question. Yeah, for sure. Um, for sure, you know, that, that
1: was just the first thing that came to mind as to why he put them there, because they decided they were running away because they didn't like the treatment they were getting.
0: Well, that's from the points that they were making in <laughs> Mania, along with Alex Wagner from MSNBC, that there was this mm-hmm. ideology, this this belief, or at least it was a feigned belief, that slavery was so positive, so good for us that we had to be sick in the head to want to run away Mm -hmm. who would want to run away from thomas jefferson you know uh it doesn't matter if he's having sex with you at 12 years old why would you want to run away he's thomas jefferson you know what i mean it was this kind of mentality and 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 they believed it so deeply or they wanted to confirm this feigned belief that they made up a damn disease called drapetomania where it would only affect black people who were enslaved and make them want to run away, which is a crazy idea. Why would you want to do that? Um, Right. And this type of mentality is now being taught to middle schoolers as required learning. So if you get a test, you can't say this is some bullshit. You guys are out of your mind as a, a a 9 year old or 10 year old You got to answer the questions correctly And if you don't answer the correct Questions correctly You're not going to pass uh, They also included The old black on black Diatribe Talking about how they're teaching now The massacre that occurred In Florida Where all of these black people were murdered Because one man tried to vote Was something that was done By black people two black people. It's the black people sold slaves, so everything's okay. They did it, and you're not blaming them. So Mm -hmm. they recreated the whole circumstance with a new narrative that they're teaching middle school children. That it was black people who killed black people. Not a white mob that came and massacred 60-some people because a black man tried to vote in Florida, but black people who decided you troublemakers needed to die. And we went and killed our own people It's a, it's lies That are being taught It's indoctrination It's psychological attacks On the minds of children Who have yet to decide what their favorite ice cream is Right They're so susceptible to it You know, I tell my, my sons and daughters Don't let your babies on the internet Until they're about 12 or 13 years old Because it's like sending them into a crack house You never know what you're going to find You know what I mean? You don't want to do that. But here we are in school, allowing them to be indoctrinated. And what's the answer to that, Yusuf? What's the answer to that people might want to ask? Should we do homeschooling? Uh, Should we take our kids out? I mean, those are all options that you could uh, allow. But how about we just not allow racists to be a part of our school systems? How about that? How about no racist teachers? How about no racist uh, principals? no racist directors? Uh, How about no white and racist ideology indoctrination at all coming from corporations who own publishing companies? How about just stopping all of that? Why do we have to exist in this atmosphere at all? You know
1: what, Max? And this points to a question that you've always asked related to police officers. Like when police officers are applying for the job there's no probing if they're a You know a so called White white supremacist Or right. are they a racist And the same thing happens with the schools There's no probing for that
9: yeah, And there's it's no just laws. the
1: doors left Open for that and I like what Dead Prez said and they, they have a Song called "The Schools And it says school is like a 12 step brainwash camp <laughs> That's what they say In the song man And we're seeing it more and more, you know, just the brainwashing that's happening,
11: the
0: revisionist
1: history, clear revisionist history. You know, things that we know in our lifetime, like if we start, you know, who knows what they're going to say the Civil Rights Movement was. (laughs) It won't be long before they change the narrative to that. And Malcolm once told me, he said, only a fool would let his enemy teach his children.
0: That's what Malcolm said. Yeah, um, there are no laws, Yusuf, that stops racists from running for president, from running for uh, city council, running for the Board of Education. There's no rules, no no laws that that stop that. And why is that? (laughs) Well, if you understand the connections that we've made over the years, you can easily follow that back to the legislators themselves. Uh, they, many of them, are racist, and that's why they don't want anybody to stop people like them because they believe in this white supremacy thing, uh, which is right. it's crazy. It's like eighteen twenty again. It's it's twenty twenty three, not eighteen twenty three, but they don't seem to figure that out. Uh, they want to continue things as is. So, yeah, that's the only answer I could see. Is like, why do we have to exist under these conditions? Why can't we ferret these people out? Why can't we take away? These tools of indoctrination and brainwashing that are being used on innocent children, in order to make them see life a certain way and mold the future for them. Uh, the right talks about the left doing it, and the left talks about the right doing. It. And there seems to be mm-hmm. nobody in the middle willing to stand up and go back to f up away from my babies right now. Right. Now, you know. As far as. Oh, well, I was
1: going to mention. You know, we start talking about homeschooling. I mean, wasn't that what Move 9 was doing? That was like yes. the basis of what they really wanted to do was just teach their own children. And you see, history, you know, they dropped a bomb on them.
0: And how could you, just da- how could you blame teach them? Their own. How could you blame them when they see what we see, The the levels of attack? This is more than just some gentle thing. This is more than just education. This is an attack on the minds of children done on purpose by psychologists or at least access to psychologists of the level that would make Edward Bernays smile in pride where you're controlling people's minds on purpose in order to change history and create... uh, Or assimilate the whole of the people You know, I came up in this type of environment I went to school in these types of environments Uh, In my school district was the infamous Eastside High School And I was going Yeah, I was going during, during Joe Clark's tenure That's the type of environment I came up And that's what they was teaching us in school None of us were ever meant to escape this type of level of indoctrination, none of us. We're all, uh, we're all like unique. If you wake up, it's not necessarily because anything happened that you put in a textbook to say this is how you wake people up. It's a damn miracle that any of us woke up out of it because we were never meant to see the truth of things. It was all right. meant to be veiled. We were taught it from birth to death. So, you know, kudos to those who have received the miracle of being able to see clearly, uh, because we weren't meant to, that's for sure. As to what's happening in Louisiana, I remember Reverend Anderson uh, was telling me that in her parish in Baton Rouge, that mm-hmm. all of the juvenile who, who are being incarcerated are black, all of them, not a one them. white person to be found. Uh, Baton Rouge's juvenile detention facilities. And these are the children that they were sending over to Angola Prison, which is named after the nation that the slaves who worked on that plantation came from primarily, Angola. And it's still, to this day, a plantation with some horrible people in there as well as those who have been railroaded into it. And they were putting kids into that. Now, what happened afterwards, because it's only going on a couple months now, but a court has mm-hmm. deemed that this is an Eighth Amendment violation. It's cruel and unusual punishment to put children in with hardened inmates in a place like Angola Prison. I mean, I was saying to you earlier, when it comes to the Eighth Amendment, there's levels of that. You know what I mean? Like, there's cruel and unusual punishments, and then there's horror stories where you're committing crimes against humanity beyond a shadow of a doubt, one of those children or any of those children had been gang raped by the inmates. That would be beyond an eighth amendment violation. You put those children in that position where this thing could happen to them. And we saw something like this unfold in Rikers when 16 year old Cleve Browder was being abused by both the guards and the inmates. So it's amazing that they recognize the error of their ways, but it's also par for the course that they would send us there to begin with, that they would deem our children uh, – that they would be so careless with the lives of our children that they want to send them to Angola Prison with men. Yeah,
1: it, it takes a certain level of callousness to do that. It just takes a you know, certain level.
0: I was supposed to be in prison. My father went to prison. A couple of brothers went to prison. Sons who went to prison. The only reason I didn't go to prison is got to be because of God's grace. Because this is a generational thing, it seems like with our family, with so many of us have spent time there. And we didn't ask to go there. The environments that we came up with kind of pushed you in that direction. The poverty mm-hmm. levels, like I said, Eastside High School, The crime that's going on as a result of the poverty, the depression and hopelessness from the poverty with no way out, it pushes you in a certain direction. And then there's the music that you add on into it that helps indoctrinate them. The churches right. do it. All these different things that come in and say, this is what you have to do. This is who you're supposed to be. This is where you got to go. Affect you. And I fell through all the cracks. <laughs> like, I fell through all the cracks. That's why I said I should have been there. And I don't know how. I didn't end up there. By God's grace can be the only explanation. It's so bad. And i said this millions of times. We're in a case right now whereas as uh, black people, one in three of our sons are expected to spend time in prison. And that seems to be something that anybody can say with a straight face, as if it's some little factoid that, you know, is and on top of this here, one in three young black men are expecting to spend time in prison. Like, there's no big deal about it. It's normal. It's acceptable. But it's not acceptable to me. And it's not acceptable to you or any other slavery abolitionists out there and parents all across right. this country. That is not acceptable. I mean, we're at the point now where all you got to do is increase it a little more, and we'd be expected to put lamb's blood over our doorsteps to protect our firstborn children from being killed. <laughs> it's it's gotten that bad, and it doesn't put anybody up in arms. We're not screaming at the rooftops. Look at what you're doing to the babies, Yusuf.
1: Yeah, but they don't care because it's not their children, you know, the powers that be when I say they. You know, it's 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 only happening to the most vulnerable group in America. You know, it's not happening uh like even keel because we can see all of the sentence disparities, you know, uh all across the all across the nation. And until things become known, like it has to be that outcry about it. You know, using sort of like uh, Dr. King's approach, where you know he had to have the cameras there so that people could see what was going on. It's like many people didn't know the abuses that were really happening. You know, when we talk about police brutality, but now people actually can see it. Although it's still not making much of a change. You know, we've had several where the people have seen it and nothing has changed, but. It it takes a certain level of Rancor in a person's heart A disease in a person's heart To be okay with doing this to any human being Let alone children we're talking children And I mean We're not talking like Because you know Someone consider 18, 19 year olds still a child I mean we're talking very young children We gave the numbers earlier About the ages You know and uh If I go back to that list, I'm curious because now I need to see if uh, Louisiana is one of those states where they don't have an age limit for people that are arrested because it's just sickening, Max, like just thinking about it, like, you are like this can't be like I must be reading this wrong. You know, I mean, I know all of it is true, but it's like. There's still something in me that's going to say, maybe we're not even understanding this correctly. But then you hear the stories over and over and over again. It's not just Louisiana. It's not just Texas. It's not just Tennessee. It's not just uh, Pennsylvania. You know, when we talk about cash for kids, that's just the one that got known about, you know, with Pennsylvania. doesn't mean that's the only place it's happening. Right. As long as there's a private prison somewhere, there's already the cost incentive to fill it up with bodies.
0: I think on the contrary to what you said, Yusuf, I think we do understand it, and that's the problem. Like We get it. This is slavery, Mm -hmm. legalized slavery, and it's extended to all these different areas in order to be a revenue generator for slavers who Act on behalf of the state itself. Uh, it starts from the cradle and it goes to the grave. And I don't believe that poverty is just something that happens to some people. I believe that it's manufactured, that they keep certain places in poverty, those million dollar oh, blocks, sure. so that they For can sure. control the population. And make revenue out of what would have not made them any money previously. So homelessness, for example, you're not making the state any money if you're homeless, but if you're in one of those hotels, you're making forty thousand, fifty thousand, generate for the state itself. And so they use human bodies like freaking batteries, like to, to draw out this money and power that is so filthy and inhumane. That it would make the devil Shamed uh, It's just it's mind blowing How the whole system works And I can see it clearly Our problem You said is we still don't understand Why so many others can't see it like that Right Like what right. Are it's we wrong <laughs> Yeah
1: it's not hidden They're doing it outright
0: And nobody's They're doing seen. it
1: outright There's all these studies out here You know, the Justice Policy Institute and the ACLU and all these other organizations are doing thorough research. They're spending millions of dollars on research to put the information out there. So it's not like anyone's trying to hide the information that you can say 25 states, you know, have no age minimum to arrest the child. Like, the information is right there.
0: You can right pop
1: it into your into your search engine and it'll pop right up for you.
0: As I, I didn't was have to doing... go to the
1: back of some library. I didn't have to go to the back of some obscure library to find some hidden book under a pile of other books to get that information.
0: Right. It's Easily right at your good. fingertips. Yeah. Um, I was doing the research for the tonight's program and I was looking up. You know some of the different instances Of interactions with police And children um, And this is just mm-hmm. some of the recent ones Let me just read you titles uh, mm-hmm. Video shows Chicago police shooting Unarmed 13 year old Another one says three Sharon Hill police Officers charged in shooting death of an Eight year old girl outside a football Game another one that U.S. Police good. shoot dead A pregnant woman in the car That's a recent one Y'all, most of y'all probably heard about it You starting from birth, you taking the baby out before he come out the womb, shooting dead a pregnant woman in a car. An 11-year-old boy who calls 911 ends up getting shot by police. But the one that really uh, threw me for a loop was when it was outside our country. In France, a teenager got shot and the whole city burned for days. Protests erupt because one child, one young man was shot and killed by police. And they burned and they rioted for days and days. And now the officer is being held accountable for what he did in France. But here in America, this is everyday news, that and worse. LAPD policeman rapes a 14 year old girl. Uh, Chicago police shoot child in the back. All of these different stories are just everyday news for us. Cop
1: shot the kid. Cop shot the kid. Cop shot the kid.
0: But That's how we started this. We got a strong generation coming up, though. They're under attack, yes. But enough of them are escaping and declaring that they are going to make changes. As a matter of fact, it starts with the granddaughter of, Yola, of uh Martin Luther King Jr., Yolanda Renee King. Um, she's been leading a lot of these youth efforts, and I wouldn't mind sharing a speech that she gave as well as a song that I felt was fitting for it. Uh, unless she had something else to, to run through? Should I start it? No, let's get into it. Yeah, let's get into All right. it. This is Yolanda Renee King, the granddaughter of Martin Luther, Jr., Martin Luther King Jr. and Coretta Scott King, followed by Ooh Child, The Five Stair Steps You're listening to Abolition Today AbolitionToday.org We'll be right back after this Abolition Abolition
12: Abolition. Less than a year before he was assassinated My grandfather predicted This very moment He said that we were moving Into a new phase of the struggle The first phase was the civil rights And the new phase is Genuine equality Genuine equality is why we are here today, and why people are coming together all across the world, from New Zealand to New Jersey. He said that we must not forget the days of the of Montgomery. We must not forget the sit-ins movement. We must not forget the Freedom Rides, the Birmingham movement, and Selma. Papa King, we won!
1: King and Coretta Scott King speaking about the new day that's going to be coming from the youth. And that's followed by, Wu Chow by the five stair steps. You know, and hey. I, I guess that played at a time that I really needed to hear that, you know?
0: Right. <sighs> uh, and just want to note that when she gave this speech, it was part of the March On event That happened across several states. You and I were in Sacramento. She was in D.C. But the All-Slavery National Network was a sponsor of that.
1: Oh, I wasn't even aware of that. Yes. Because I think it was also occurring at the same time of our anniversary. That was our second Mm -hmm. anniversary, I believe.
0: I think so. It was the ASNN second anniversary. Yeah, That's what we were doing. In yeah, Sacramento. there was a lot going on
1: that and weekend.
0: March on is our fiscal sponsor of the Abolish Slavery National Network. So March on's uh, sponsorship of that was our sponsorship of it, and we had speakers in several states. That's right. Hey, I see we got a, brother. A big weekend, brother Curtis uh, on the line. Let's go ahead and bring him in. Yeah, for sure. Peace, What's Curtis up, Welcome back to Abolition Today. Peace, family. How y'all doing tonight? <laughs> um, I'm doing <laughs> terrible, man. Doing Think, this one? <laughs> for real, thinking about these babies and my own and what has happened, you know?
11: All right. So to, to make the um, position as clear as I possibly can, um, because of the issues that have been going on in Louisiana, I'm talking about extremely isolated events where five or ten people get involved in a violent um, in- incident that are juvenile. We're talking about ages 11, 12, 13, 14 years old. The governor decided, along with um, help from the um, um, attorney general's office, that children should be put inside of Angola's death row so that they could better understand what they were um, dealing with as adult black um, youth, right? So um, a couple of them escaped from a prison that, um, a, um, not a prison, but a juvenile facility where guards were having sex with um, underage inmates, um, that it was just, uh, uh, they had a thunder They got hit with
0: draped huh?
11: Right, yeah, they were they were betting on on children fighting against each other. But instead of heads rolling inside of the juvenile justice department, they said we should just send these bad little kids to Angola. Teach them a lesson that will scar them for the rest of their lives. During um five by seven cells sitting on death row to deal with a situation where I can tell you from personal experience, um warps your mind, because human beings, first of all, are not supposed to be caged. Um, it develops, um, it, underdevelops, it underdevelops us, and these children are probably permanently scarred as a result of their sojourn inside of the prisons, in inside um, of Louisiana. And um, there is no age limit, um, Brother Yusuf. If a, a kindergartner starts acting stupid in a class um the way that the policies are written in most of the um municipal police um systems, mm-hmm. they can handcuff a the child and arrest that child um to be released to its parents basically after they traumatize them and send them down to the police station. Right? So what we're dealing with are human rights issues. Um on the level of waterboarding boarding for a human uh, adult human being. Because if you restrain a child that's five years old in cups, that has to be um, under the, the torture guidelines of the United Nations International Court of the Hague and the World Court. So when Abolition Today does these um, educational radio shows, because you guys are the only ones in the United States that are doing what you're doing, so big kudos to Yusuf Papa and Max Farfist, because... I know that otherwise we wouldn't have this information on a wide scale, you know, and thank you guys for that, and we, 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 we pray that you would continue to be having license inside you to continue to do this work. But in Louisiana, as well as about 40 other states, they have no legislation that stops them from putting a child in handcuffs because, remember, that's the issue. Is it against the law to do it? Right now, it's not against the law. So our former slave masters and our slave master's children decide that, hey, yeah, we're going to do everything we can to make this group of people um, not able to compete with their children. That's my personal opinion. And we have to continue to fight for the salvation of our kids. So thank you for this and the opportunity to let you all know what we do in Louisiana The Court of Appeals has decided that it was unconstitutional, cruel, and unusual punishment to send children to death row, even to just be there. So these children will start to leave out of the facilities next week, I think. Um, But this is the type of stuff that we need to keep on pressing because if it's not, this is going to be something else. These people, um, the enemies of black progress, do not – appreciate us not being able to be punished for being black. Right? So um continue to do the work that you're doing, Max and Eustace, thank you so much for helping us to get the word out that they are abusing our children and human trafficking our people and enslaving us in two thousand and twenty three. And that's
1: all I got to say tonight. I love you guys. Thank you, Curtis. Love you too, brother. Love you too, Um, brother. Thanks, thanks for that insight.
0: They are using human trafficking as well. That was one of the conversations I would have with Dennis Fibo out in New Jersey. That in New Jersey right now, uh, they are sending children to a specific juvenile detention facility because they have a contract with therapists there. Uh, so they want these children to see these therapists. There's not, you know, there's no choice about what therapists you get. You can get in this one whether you like it or not. But it's basically mm. generating revenue for them. So they're sending them from one county to another to serve their sentences there in these counties where they had committed no crime uh, because they have a contract with these therapists. So it, human trafficking, indeed. I did want to first say thank you, Curtis, for calling in. Curtis Davis, for those who don't know, is the lead organizer for Decarcerate Louisiana, which led to two campaigns in Louisiana to remove the exception clause for involuntary servitude from their state. Uh, he'll be leading it again in 2024. He's also co-director of state operations for the ASNN. And the ASNN has been making some major moves, man. We just celebrated our anniversary, as you all know from our broadcast live there. Uh, But we're doing some big things. We're about to hire our first full-time employee, uh, which is our lead organizer. Uh, We have several people who applied for the position because up until now, it's all been volunteer work. What I do, what Yusuf do, does what others do, this all been volunteer work. We just give a damn, and we want to participate in change, and we see how to make it happen. Uh, but now we're starting to hire people, which is a wonderful feeling. We also are continuing mm-hmm. organizing the states, and we have 15 states set to put in their bills and get them on the ballot in 2024. 15 states in 2 weeks we meet with them these are real states with real people doing this and they're uh organizing on a level that we have not done before so when they're ready to go they're really ready to go we understand many right, states right. cost millions and millions of dollars normally to change a constitution but we have people power and we've been able to do it a uh, far far less than that and we're even more ready now we're getting them grants so that they have resources available to use. Uh, as I said, we're starting to hire actual people uh, for full-time positions because this takes that type of resources. And if you're able to make right. a, a donation, please go to abolishslavery.us and make a donation or even make a monthly donation. Just automatically donate X amount of dollars every month. And if you got a few million, mm-hmm. send a couple of way, you know? But yeah, right. we, we are... We are raring to be Godzilla in 2024. We're working with politicians to be able to uh, affect even the presidential race. And in two weeks, we're going to Washington, D.C., a handful of us, including Brother Curtis Davis, to be a part of the convention, uh, Congressional Black Caucus uh, convention that is happening there. So we'll be speaking there um, to address the legislators As well as get their support because not only do we need legislators for these 15 states or some of the 15 states coming up in 2024 but we've also issued a joint uh resolution on a federal level to introduce a 28th amendment that will remove the exception or negate the exception of the 13th and we're going to need 39 representatives on board just to be able to do that so this is a big move in that direction there was a time When they wouldn't listen to us, they didn't hear anything we had to say. But not everybody can change seven state constitutions, you know what I mean, in only a few years and not get recognized, not get a little bit of respect put on their name. That's not something that happens every day. So without their help, we managed to get this done. Imagine what we can get done with their help. With their help. Mm, You said a mouthful there, brother. Curtis, you still there? You said a mouthful. Did you want to say anything?
11: I just want everybody to know That Unless we get out In um, the brown And black vote We will not Have an opportunity to have effect in the 2024 election Okay and there's nothing More sexy than Abolishing slavery Abraham Lincoln wasn't able to do it Um Only Abolition, um, the Abolish Slavery National Network, has even been involved in this work. This the type of change that hasn't happened in 157 years. So please help us do what we need to do. Please send in a donation to Abolish Slavery National Network. We are 501c3 with fiscal sponsorship. You will get your exemption back. But we need the fuel to be able to do the work. So um, that's all I got to say, Max. Just let them know that, man, this is as big as it gets. There is no other um, end to racial inequity in the United States of America unless we go to the root of the problem, and that's constitutional slavery.
0: Amen to that, brother. And I just want to point out that there's are people out there who have argued with us, and will probably argue this now, that this doesn't mm-hmm. change anything, that it's only, you know, for show, or it's just some kind of a symbolic ex- symbolic gesture, but they don't really understand the relationship of this particular law from the constitutions and how it is associated with all the things that we've been talking about here all night and for four seasons. It's all connected, and if you deal directly with the fruit. With the root of a problem You won't have to deal with the fruit So that's where affecting the root We are just creating A platform that did not Exist before we came along And that platform Is having slavery be Illegal and not Protected by a constitutional Amendment as it has been for 158 years now So without that protection Change is inevitable It may not happen tomorrow but it's certainly on the way to happening. We're already seeing uh, these ripple effects occur with the lawsuits in Colorado, as well as the legal actions that are happening in Alabama, where we're challenging issues like the government's, uh, the, the governor Kay Ivey and her executive order, which effectively charges people who organize a work strike or even talk about a work strike as the same punishment of removal of good time as rape or murder. That's unconstitutional now. You can't do that anymore. If a guard forces you to work in Alabama and says, if you don't work, I'm going to write you up so you don't get probation. I'm going to put you in the hole. I'm going to not give you dinner. I'm going to kick your ass. If he says any of that, he just violated the Constitution. And guess what you become after that? A freaking criminal. (laughs) You get prosecuted. And that's what we're hoping right. to see happening, because you've got to change now. You, the practices of slavery have to change, and it's going to be hard to do that because it's ingrained after 400 years of having it. But we're going to see that occur, maybe in this lifetime. And that is okay. amazing to even consider. Yusuf? Which
1: is why no one can say it's just symbolic. You know, we're stepping into you know, it's almost like we're we're landing on Jupiter, like we're going somewhere where no one has ever gone before. Mm-hmm. So when people say, well, what comes after? Well, we don't know. We've never seen it. <laughs> well, because we've never breathed that air before. Right. We know what we want, and we're trying right. to find that now. Exactly, and we know what the courts have said when cases have come before them. We can't do anything about it as long as this 13th Amendment exception clause is there. So now once we remove this blockage, the courts can start doing legal interpretation and analyses on these issues. And organizations,
0: national organizations that you had mentioned earlier, like the ACLU, um, like Mm -hmm. the Southern Poverty Law Center, um, uh, mm-hmm. the the uh, NAACP and many others have all made changing the constitution to remove these exception clause a prerequisite of all the things that they think we should do in order to make the country better <laughs> you know like right. it starts right here the ACLU's report on captive labor labor the recommendations begin with removing the exception clause because they legalize us all they make it all okay in the eyes of the right. law you know Same thing with the NAACP. They said it as well. They even showed examples and on and on. So many reports. And there's another one coming out uh, from a friend of mine at the Associated Press, uh, Sister Robin, at the end of this month Mm -hmm. that's going to blow the lid off a lot of things, too, and give uh, what we're doing here quite a bit of momentum. Uh, I've been working with her now for over a year on this story, uh, and I expect it to be a bombshell. So... Stay tuned to Abolition Today And you're going to hear a lot of stuff it. going on 2024 is going to be going the year on. of the abolitionists
1: You got to gotta start thinking of like the cool saying, Max You know how you named the Freedom Five You know, we're sitting there with 12 states or 15 states Have to be a real crafty name for that
0: Well, we're going to see how it works out Because we're starting with 15 but not all of them are even going to get it um, uh, past the committees. Cause we'll be the running into problems. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Let's let's see how many make it, man. Uh, we've got issues that we're dealing with. In some cases, like in New Jersey and Ohio, they have these committee chair people or Senate presidents who refuse to even schedule the bill for hearing. So they stand in the way of the entire state's voting population, not allowing them to even have a chance to make their voice heard on whether or not they want slavery. So we're dealing with some people like that. Uh, And we also have dealing with straight up white supremacists in places that are like the last bastion of the Confederacy in the United States. But we've seen nine white Republicans all stand up and say, no, we don't want to end this. We want to keep it. Yes. So it's going to be a challenge. We're <laughs> we going in with the fabulous 15. We'll see how many make it to the ballot. Yeah, that's,
1: that's going to be amazing. Amazing year. North Carolina,
0: I pray, will be one of them. They got a good man uh, in the lead there. I, I know that much. But you're up against a demon. Uh, North Carolina is a red state with a lot of white supremacist organizations that call that place home. And there's more than a few that have them in uh, the halls of legislation. And you're so unique and so out with it in North Carolina. Like, California got 33 prisons, right? And they got, what, 40 million people over there? You got only a few million people, and you got 54 prisons. (laughs) <laughs> 54 prisons In little ass North Carolina <laughs> Exactly 10 million people Right and uh, prison labor Is a core issue there So it's going to be a challenge for sure But we're going to face these Big money. Business. We have a lot of young folks Who are Dedicated to doing this And getting it done And I'm proud to work with a lot of them um, To get this thing done uh, People who are committed like you. You sit and Kamal and Savannah and Nathan and uh yeah. you know Theta and Brother Curtis and I mean the names go on and on and on. The it's last popping up. meeting that we even, had for even the, even a
1: the new one. You know, we have Ophelia up in New Hampshire.
0: Up in and New Hampshire, course, yeah.
1: We we can't forget Sean, you know. That that's <laughs> the trooper there, man. Edmund
11: up
0: Do-
1: in Michigan. We got it yeah, everywhere. I mean, this, yeah, everywhere in, in Arizona and uh, Kwame in
11: Arkansas. And <laughs> Man, we
0: Walletia, I remember Georgia, when it was
1: so
11: – We all across the nation right now.
0: I remember when we had so few of us that we could have had a, a reunion in my living room. <laughs> you know what <Right. laughs> But right it's not—it's not like that anymore. We're in every position now. We yeah. even got oh, abolitionists as yeah. senators, the- senators. as Congress people. We've had abolitionists yeah. for president. We got abolitionist mayors and city councilors all over the country. We're in. Yeah. That. In fact, we've had two abolitionist
1: presidential candidates. Three. Two. Three. Oh, who's the third? Because I know Andy. And then there's
0: uh, Mark Charles, Charles. third. Uh, uh, What's the old dude's name? Bernie Sanders. Remember, I worked with Bernie Sanders on his campaign (laughs) and got the Justice is Not for Sale Act as part of the package (laughs) that would have abolished private prisons from the United States forever.
1: Yeah, that that definitely makes him an
0: abolitionist. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
1: And so, in fact, yeah, he man. co-sponsored the he co-sponsored Merkley's bill. That's right,
0: he did. You know, Senator Merkley submitted
1: bill. you know the yeah the abolition act.
0: So yeah, making a dent
1: Every,
0: Everybody that has either co-sponsored or offered their uh, official support for that particular bill, the abolition bill, which has been submitted by Senator Merkley out of Oregon, and uh, Nikema Williams, Congresswoman Nikema Williams out of. Uh, Georgia as well as uh, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, New Jersey's uh, Sydney
1: Lager out of uh, California
0: California, Angela uh, Knight in New Jersey uh, All of those People are slavery abolitionists What do you think they're supporting? (laughs) (laughs) Right. So yeah We may be the most Underestimated movement this country Has ever seen because we're getting it done It's not what we're going to do We're getting it done You can see our track record And see that we are getting it done And with or without anybody We're going to get it done That's the strategy
1: What's up brother Sean We got Sean with us man What's going on Sean Sean you may be on mute
2: Thank you I thought I pressed it off Thank you (laughs) Uh, What's going on guys What's going on man What's up Sean I just wanted to mention. So I was thinking about this the whole episode that we're only we're less than 20 years from the United States stopping to execute people who committed crimes when they were minors, but so less than less than two decades with <laughs> the rope right, v. Right. Simmons. Um, mm-hmm. To remind me of what i um, Curtis was saying about you know getting those you know getting the children out of Angola <laughs> you know because that doesn't seem to be constitutional either to even be in the presence on on death row. So I just thought that. You know, at least I see the progress. but just felt so. It's only been so <laughs> less than twenty years since we've even as a nation,
12: you yeah, know, decided.
2: Man. And that that was that was a split decision. That was a five four decision. We know what's happened in the Supreme Court. Five you know, four decision. Get,
0: wow.
2: Right. Yeah. Five, so. We we know what the Supreme Court hasn't <laughs> hasn't been too stable at <laughs> least. So we can't take anything for granted. Right.
1: And I, I, I'm glad you brought that up, but I'll have to cover that in a future episode because. Uh, the Supreme Court is kind of going through a little bit of schizophrenia right now when it comes to life without parole for juveniles. Mm -hmm. It's been going back and forth. There's a whole series of cases, and, you know, as we were doing our, uh, you know, pre-episode discussion, it's just too much to get into. But there,
9: Mm -hmm.
1: I promise, I will do a future episode where I break those down because it's very important it's about five pages because they 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 have just
11: uh, overturned um, Miller versus Alabama, so now see, see.
1: Why are y'all so, doing this to Jeff, me, man? Y'all Jeff know I know and y'all know, but I need <laughs> I need an entire episode to break it down to unpack that. So I promise y'all Call one week, by incarceration.
11: Still Max is going to be
1: on vacation Yeah, Max is going to be on vacation one week You know, just relaxing <laughs> his mind And I'm going to do a full episode Breaking these cases down <laughs> Hey, make the special, first time? co-host uh, Yeah, for sure I'll bring you in and I'll bring Sean in As my wait, co-host for wait, that
0: Don't say that out loud Because I'm going to take advantage of that If y'all going to give me a week off I'm going to take it <laughs> Oh, of course, of course <laughs> Yeah. There, I right, mean buddy. that. That's, yeah, that's
6: there, gonna right. be in the near future. Word. Because
9: you All
1: know right. how well, I like breaking down cases. Y'all know how much I love that. We we've
0: you know, got so. to we've got to start wrapping it up though. We gotta together. Yeah, really really I, I, I just wanna say one thing before we conclude this. Um mm-hmm. the children are the future. Our children our are our future. If you're not defending your children, if you're not protecting your children, you have no future. So let's get our priorities straight. For all these years, I've always said I don't focus primarily on men or women or black or brown or, or, or any kind of distinction like that. I just look at it as a whole. But when it comes to children, there's an exception for me. I'm really animated about the children, and you should be too. Right. Damn right. Damn right.
1: Thank you to our callers. Bring you in really uh, quick, 6285. One
3: minute, 30 seconds. Hey, it's Jeanette. Can you hear me?
1: Yes. Yeah. Hey,
0: Jeanette. I just wanted to
3: say the same thing that Max was saying, that the children are the future. And you guys, I love you guys, all the work you've done. I'm so proud to know <laughs> all of you. But the children are our future. You know it by when you listen to Yolanda Renee King. That child yes. made me cry. I marched on Washington, and she made me cry tonight. And they are our future. And that's all I got to For say. Sure.
0: All right. For
1: sure. okay. Thank you, Yolanda. And I needed to hear Yolanda at that time that you played it, Max. For real. That gave me yeah. the energy to complete the show, man. Um, Uh, It was
0: sure that things are Seeming hopeless and they always have Seemed but there's always hope Like Yolanda King And like the Mm -hmm. ASIN and everybody Here today there's always those Beacons of hope so when you See those lights don't walk Away come closer and share Yours Mm. Max preaching today
1: (laughs) Hey brother So Uh We'd like to thank our sponsors and partners, uh, Jailhouse Lawyers Speak, the IMW Ubuntu Prison Advocacy Network, SAMA Urge, Quakers Uplifting Racial Justice, the Paul Cuffy Abolitionist Center, Prismatic Dreams, and the Abolish Slavery National Network. We wanna thank you all for sticking it out with us tonight, you know, and suffered through the glitch with us, but we made it happen. So remember to subscribe to our YouTube channel. That's youtube.com slash abolitiontoday. Go there and check that Abolitionist Music playlist. You'll hear all that music that you you hear on the the program every week. Also go to our Facebook page. There's a ton of news and information up there, a lot of stuff. We had about six hours' worth of material tonight. (laughs) So you're going to find a lot of stuff up there that we didn't even get a chance to get into. Also follow the ASNN at abolition nation on all major uh on all all of the stream all the uh, what do you call them social media major platforms, platforms at abolition nation also follow us on twitter that's at abolition today one and abolition today is available at abolition com. that's our archives but you can also catch or it on all the major or. streaming platforms abolition org. i'm glad i have it <laughs> redirect for both <laughs> <laughs> I say it wrong at least once every other week. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Tales from the, yeah, Tales from the Plantation Nation, hosted by Samuel Nathaniel Nathaniel Brown, returns this Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern, six Central, five Mountain, and four Pacific. Right here on the Abolition Today platform. So tune in, so you can hear from Sam and he give you updates on what's going on from the Plantation Nation. Tonight we have a very special bridging the gap, as they all are. So this week we have David Walker's appeal, read by Daryl DMC McDaniel. And it's followed up by Akala Malcolm Senate. We'll be back next Sunday, September 17th, God willing, with another masterclass on slavery abolition. So until next week. Think about abolition today. Love you, Max. Thank you, Sean, Jeanette, and Curtis for calling in. Peace and blessings be upon you all.
2: Peace. Abolition. Abolition. today. In
0: 1829,
2: David Walker, a son of a slave but born free in North Carolina, moved to Boston. The next year, he published a pamphlet, Walker's Appeal to the Colored Citizens of the World, which became widely read and infuriated Southern slaveholders. The state of Georgia offered a reward of $10,000 to anyone who would deliver Walker alive and $1,000 to anyone who would kill him. Here is an excerpt. I ask the
5: candid and unprejudiced of the whole world to search the pages of historians diligently and see if anyone ever treated a set of human beings as the white Christians of America do us, the blacks. I also ask the attention of the world of mankind to the declaration of these very American people of the United States a declaration made July 4th, 1776 it says we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness that to secure these rights government are instituted among men deriving that they're just powers from the consent of the government that whenever any form of the government becomes destructive of these ends it is the right of the people to alter or abolish it see your declaration Americans do you understand your own language hear your language proclaimed to the world July 4, 1776 we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Compare your own language above, extracted from your declaration of independence, with your cruelty and murder inflicted by your cruel and unmerciful fathers in yourselves, on our fathers, and on us, men who have never given your fathers or you, the least provocation. Now, I ask you candidly, was your sufferings under Great Britain? One hundredth part is cruel and tyrannical as you have rendered ours under you. Some of the whites are ignorant enough to tell us that we ought to be submissive to them. That they may keep their feet on our throats. And if we do not submit to be beaten to death by them, we are bad creatures and of course must be damned, etc. If any man wishes to hear this doctrine openly preached to us by the American preachers, let him go into the southern and western sections of this country. I do not speak from hearsay. What I have written is what I have seen and heard myself. The Americans may be vigilant as they please, but they cannot be vigilant enough for the Lord. Neither can they hide themselves where he will not find them and bring them out.
7: To die for? You never lived. We might feed and breathe, but we never did Except those with peace and equality that don't see what we call a forest. Live, speak truth them for we love them dead when they speak no more but they will endure ideas are bulletproof truth of truth it's impossible to pull it loose we smother any mouth they utter it Holy father's fear we mother it we're loving the corrupt government so we look the other way when in our name is are struggling we idolize them and we despise them because we're reminded that we're the ones who are silent so give a moment for the times who were blinded scream at the top of your lungs like a siren <laughs> i With the wise man has nothing to prove but the one who has nothing, has nothing to lose More things we don't need, we'll make more fees More laws we don't need, it's inside family Who leads, it don't matter, they can't make change New driver, but we got no brakes Whatever the place, whatever the face The master never ever flees the slave They always knew it, so they pursue it But we were too divided to every be guided. But we got to stop the they they're rotten. From the days of picking cotton They sell us the last song, and we so resorted So confused, we believe their promise But there are some that lead more honest They are not forgotten, don't so they shot them. So scream to the top of your line up in the bottom rebel the rebels are the tyrants you are not god so we are not defiant no human nature just our behavior the oppressed wanting that oppressor is the savior found a globe killing claiming to be religion all the books said it's in and that is just the beginning i'll spread democracy by dropping a bomb on them terrorists with no shoes and socks i reckon history teaches us the lessons the bigger terrorists is the one with the bigger weapons they've talked but we didn't listen they spoke and went missing We can't see all the things that imprison us Cause we don't appreciate the freedoms they've given us I wouldn't bet it will we ever get it Run tell your friends that a car said it hey, <laughs>
3: My name is Jeanette Smith. I am a slavery abolitionist. Some of you may know me. I'm doing this recording because I would like to ask if any of you can help with some financial assistance. Max and Youssef do not like to ask for money, so I would like to ask on their behalf because they and other abolitionists pull money out of their own pockets, and this is so important. So if you can help, you can find the information at the top of the Facebook page for abolition today. Thank
9: you.
3: If we'd known you all were going to be this much trouble, we would have picked our own fucking cotton.